Hey guys, Princess here, and you are in for another episode of Buy Pumpkin. I'm back in the stew. <laughs> I'm actually in my husband's man cave, and um, it's during nap time, so I gotta get moving, because I only have so much time before I have to uh, shut this shit down and get back to being a parent. Um, I want to start off with talking about something I talked about on my bonus episode this week, but I want to make sure it gets to the main feed. Um, I want to be clear that I have always been very much a black person. I have always been someone who talks about the police state we live in, especially if you're a black person. I have always been someone who talks about white supremacy and racist systems this is nothing new. We're, we're what, 30, 35 episodes, not including bonus episodes on Patreon into this podcast. And I have been the same person the entire time. And so if you are listening to this and it bothers you when you can tell I'm a black person, I don't know what to tell you. Okay. This is a core part of my being. It is the seasoning of everything you get. It is like going to a restaurant asking for them to take the paprika off the food. They can't. It, it's the see. It comes with it. It's already there. You either have to take it or leave it. And it, you can't love my work, my stories, my humor, my voice, my crazy relationship with my mom, my dumb stories about my husband, my parenting views, my work about my work with displaced children. You can't love those things about me without also taking the blackness with you, with it. And so I've had a couple of podcasting friends and, and people who aren't necessarily friends, but I'm aware of, have some issues these past couple of weeks as these protests continue. And as we're in the middle of this general unrest, they've had problems because people don't want them to talk about People don't want them to talk about anything. They want them to just, you know, dance for them and give them a good and give them a good um, episode. But the fact is, this is a part of us. This, this, what's going on? I have a mostly white audience. I don't, I don't have no problem with that. But I know for many of you, you were not thinking about police killing you at a traffic stop a few weeks ago. Actually, you weren't thinking about traffic at all because you were in quarantine. But you get my point here. The, but I always think about that. I always think about that. When my kids are outside and they tell me there's a police car parked down the street, I am immediately like, we have to get in the house. Like, because that's the world I live in. And it's okay if you don't live in that world, but you're not going to keep me from talking about it. Um, Kara talked about getting a bad review because people were upset with her. I think Moni, with Mixing with Moni, who's a great podcaster, was talking about it. I want you to know I don't give a fuck if you don't like it. I really don't. I This is how it comes. I... I don't read I don't read reviews anyway. You bitches could be tearing me up in reviews. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know because it's not for me. I'm I do this show for free. Even the Patreon supporters, you are you are like donating a small honorarium to me. Okay? This is not you don't you're not paying for me to make you a show. So I do this show for me and it benefits you, but you don't pay for this show. So if, if some part, like if you are unhappy about me talking about black things or me or just my blackness in general, I can't help you there. 
I love all of you. I'm happy you're listening to me. I'm grateful for, for this podcast. But it is not my goal to please everyone with this podcast. It's not my goal to grow this podcast so it's so big that everyone loves it. I don't care about that. I care about the people. I care about finding people who who vibe with this, who enjoy what I'm doing, who can take all of me and and entertaining them and building community with them. If you're not one of those people, I don't know how you got this long on the podcast. I don't know how you're still here because I've never been, I've never hidden my views about things. I'm actually incredibly proud of these protesters. Um, I just, I am so proud of people who are risking their lives from coronavirus and violence and, and that are just like, we are, we are here and we will be listened to. They are protesting for me who can't go out there because I'm immune. Uh, I have a compromised immune system and I have five kids and I can't get arrested. I am so proud of these people. I'm doing what I can. I am donating money to um, bail funds. I am donating money to GoFundMes. And I just, I'm really proud of the work they're doing. And there, people are listening. People are listening. Um, my, I talked to my mom this week and my mom is like very anti-looting and very anti-riot. Uh, my mom is old enough to remember the 1968 riots and she was so scared then. And she's not super scared right now, but she's just like anti. And she was like, well, I mean, what if somebody like broke in your house and looted your house and set it on fire? I was, I told her, I was like, listen, I think people are more important than things. I, I just do. And I think that people have been taking knees and we've been doing petitions and voting and marching for so long and nothing, and nothing comes of it. In fact, people, in fact, like Colin Kaepernick doesn't have a career because of his kneeling, a peaceful kneeling. And I think that some, when people only care about, when these people only care about profits and property, then sometimes you have to fuck shit up to get them to understand. And I get, if you guys don't agree with that, I completely understand. But you can't, I'm not going to change my opinion so that you like me. What the fuck they do that at? <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm sorry if this offends some people. It's okay if you don't want to listen to me anymore, if you don't like me because of that. It doesn't change how I feel. I just want to be clear about that. Like, I know that my subject matter and my audience is is very white. I understand that. I don't, I'm, I don't hold nothing against that. It's fine. But I'm not a white person. I don't walk the world as a white person. I, I don't. I was talking about on Twitter, someone was like, when did you um, first learn about police brutality? And I, it was very hard for me to think about it because I remember, um, like, being in my house, getting ready, like, early, early in the morning to drive to Houston when we lived in Mississippi as a kid and to drive to Houston to see my grandparents. And my dad was, like, packing the car because, you know, we were leaving super early, so we had to get dressed and we were eating our cereal. My mom was about to put us in the car. And him being um, a police car approaching him and making him lay on the ground, face down on the ground, uh, because he fit the description of something. And 
like being questioned about where we've been. I was like, it's four o'clock. We've we've been at home, and like I've known for a, from a very young age that like if I get involved in a police situation, volunt voluntarily or not, then it probably will not go in my way. That they don't see me the way they see other people. I remember being run over by a cop car when I was like seven ish years old with walking with my brothers and my friends and we were leaving a gas station and like crossing, you know, how the gas station has outlets into like like a two lane highway. Or it was maybe might have been a three lane highway. And we're about to cross and here comes a cop car and so we stop and we motion for him to go because we don't even want to cross in front of him. We don't want anything to do with him. We don't, we don't want to call, we don't want no fucking trouble at all. Like leave them alone, leave them alone, be invisible around them. That's what I was taught. And he, he made a signal for us to go. And then he leaned out cause we still weren't going. We did not want to cross in front of him. And he leaned out and like basically ordered us to go. And so we start to cross. And I remember we got, it's, it was kind of a wide little area, but we got like three steps in and he hit the gas so hard and he ran over us and pushed, he ran over half of us and he pushed the rest of us out into incoming traffic. And, and like the scariest, maybe not the scariest, but I've had scarier moments, but the scariest moment in my little life to that point, I mean, he gave us a ride to the hospital. We were scared to get in his car, but he took us to the hospital and like my mom had to come pick me and my brothers up and my friends their moms can pick them up and she was basically told that like she needs to let this go or she'd probably get a cps investigation against her because why were her kids walking to the store which is it's 1987 maybe 1988 and we and you walk to the store with your friends you like and so she did she was like i can't lose my kids i'm you know i don't need no trouble like stuff like that i've been like like, I've had so much police scrutiny in my life and, like, situations where I was treated unfairly. I was driving a drunk person home once, and I pulled... This is, like, as an adult. I was already with my husband, so I was, like, probably 26 or something. And I'm walking. I'm, I'm driving. I get pulled over. The cop is like, hey, your license is suspended. Um, doesn't say why. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't know that. And he's like, it's okay. Um, but we're. he asked me where I was going, and I told him, and I explained. He asked me how I knew this white man and I, that was in my car, and I explained to him that um, he, uh, you know, I was giving him a ride home. He was really drunk, by the way. And they were like, yeah, well, we, gotta, we can do two things here. We can arrest you right now or... Um, your friend here can take, uh, can take custody of you. Like, that's what he said. Take custody of me. And I was like, what? And I didn't really say anything. I was just like, I don't want to be arrested. So, cause you can be arrested on suspended license. Um, so I was just like, okay. And the guy's name was Talon and Talon like, I'll drive her home. And he gets in the car. So we switch seats and he goes, you know why they let me, they didn't check his license. They don't know if he has a license. And check his shit. <laughs> and he smells of, he is fucked up. I, I was bartending and he was a friend of my husband's. And as I was leaving, he was like really fucked up. And then he was talking about uh, driving home. And I was like, I'll just take you. Don't worry. I'll take you. And then you can pick up your car in the morning. And he looks at me and he goes, you know why they let me just drive you home without checking anything about me? Didn't even ask my name. Didn't even, didn't even see if I have a warrant on me. I was like, 
why? And he goes, because I'm white. And I was like, he wasn't fucking wrong. Uh, He drove about three blocks up and then we switched back because he was drunk. Drunk. I just had a lot, I mean, I've had a lot of experiences like that. And I, and maybe it, maybe it bothers you to hear that, but it bothered me to have those experiences. It bothers, bothers me right now to like, I haven't pulled over in a long time. Interesting. I get less racist pullovers in Texas than I did in New York. That's interesting. But, um, I've talked about that before, but if I did get pulled over, I was thinking about it today because I had to go, um, take my husband. My husband got his brakes fixed. He needed needed his brakes done. So this morning I got up and I put all the kids in the car to go pick his car up. And so it's like seven something in the morning and I'm driving and I was just thinking, there are a lot of cops on the road right now because of obvious reasons. And I was just thinking like, what would I do if I got pulled over? And I was like, well, I just be very careful with my hands. I just make sure my hands were in sight. I'd make sure, I'd ask all the kids to, to make sure their hands are in sight. I'd... Just be very careful about rolling down my window. I wouldn't say more than what I need to say. I just be short, polite, and I get through whatever I need to get through. Like I know that some of you listening to this don't even think about stuff like that. They like it doesn't even occur to you to be worried. There's a there's a video of Atlanta cops pulling some students out of a car, breaking the window and yanking them out of the car and tasing them. And right before the cops run up on this car and like just start breaking out the windows and stuff. I mean, the people did say they didn't want to get out of the car, but you don't have to get out of the car if an officer asks you to. Just so you know, you do not have to. You, If they are going to arrest you, that's one thing. But if, they, but if a cop comes to the car and just yells, get out of the car, you do not have to. Um... So they weren't getting out of the car, but just before you get to the point where they're like breaking the windows and tasing them and dragging them from the car, there's a white girl leaning out of another car, just waving at the camera like, hey, like she's in a whole different world. And okay, that's, I mean, I'm not going to blame her for being in a whole different world, but the fact is that like, you have to understand that the experience is very different for us. It's different. I told a story about being hired, and as I was trying to fill out the forms for my tax forms, the person telling me, well, just so you know, uh, if I ever have to tell you anything, it's not because you're black. You know, I like black people. I don't have a problem with black people. I met black people before. You know, I appreciate what they, what they give to the culture. I, he was a gay man. He's like, I sleep with black men all the time. I heard that there's, I was been told that their skins were, you know, what they say about your skin, how it's all dry and crusty. But, you know, it's been pretty soft in my experience. Like... If you've never had to be sitting there trying to figure out whether you want to have a job or whether you want to work with somebody who obviously has a lot to say about your race, good for you. (laughs) Good for you. That's it. And so what I want to say is that you don't get to decide how I get to react to these events. You don't get to decide how I get to, to talk about my experiences. And if, like... Anybody who has followed me in podcasting from spelling tea to here to my appearances on other podcasts, you know that podcasting is a thinly veiled excuse for me to talk about myself. I talk about myself all the time. That's how you got the stories about my husband. That's how you hear about my kids and my experiences and my crazy mom and and the time I got fired on my day off. Like those, those are how you hear about those things because I relate things back to myself to kind of discuss them in a bigger context than just as a reality TV show. And myself is black. So that's it. I mean, 
I just want to make sure I said it on the main feed and you guys understood where I'm coming from. I'm I, That doesn't mean that I'm going to be performing blackness or performing grief and trauma for you and that every time I, I step on here, I'm going to be talking about the protest or about um, racism. That doesn't mean that, but it does mean that when it's on my spirit to speak on something, I will. And if it comes from a black perspective, you're going to take this season in and you're going to love it or you're going to have to stop listening. Okay. Okay. So before we get started, after I just said, I don't care what people think about me. <laughs> I do care if you want to help me keep this podcast going, please become a Patreon member. It's a buck a month. It is the best dollar you're going to spend because you get at least one bonus episode a month. But right now, because of all the things I want to talk about, you've been getting a lot of bonus episodes. And it's 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 a good spend. And it keeps this podcast going. And it shows that you support me and support what I'm trying to do here and support this community I'm trying to make with this podcast. If you cannot support me that way, you can leave me a five-star review. I don't read reviews, but other people do, and it will tell people what to expect when they get here. Um, and if you can't do that, at least follow me on OK Then Princess on Instagram and Twitter, and then at um, Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. I'm taking a bit of a social media diet. What I'm doing right now is I am. I just don't have the apps on my phone, so I don't get notifications. And I'm not like endlessly scrolling, endlessly scrolling through like videos of people being murdered and um people being beaten and graffiti and racist thing like I'm not just scrolling endlessly through that but I am checking in so I do go back I do answer comments I do answer dms um I've got a couple of people asking for sponsored episodes I'm going to be doing some sponsored episodes next week at least one and then maybe one the next week after I think I'm going to do one on bad girls club and One's on, I forgot what the other one's on. So, like, feel free to message me, and I'll try to answer as soon as I can. Feel free to um, think of a topic you do want me to talk about, and for 20 bucks, I will. So, um, that's how you sponsor an episode. So, there are a lot of options here to support. And if you're still here listening to this, I'm assuming you support me. Um, so, get out there. Um, join my Patreon. Leave me a review. Follow me on social media. Do, like, show me some love. <laughs> I'm just like demanding love. I used to have a foster kid that used to do that. Who she just like stand in front of me and just be like, I need love. <laughs> and I, and she, what she meant is she wanted me to hug her or kiss her or like rub her back or something. But she didn't, you know, at the time I was like, oh, she doesn't have the words to ask for what she wants. But the longer I think about it, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, she asked for what she wants. She said she wanted love. <laughs> and she was very direct about it. She, in fact, she's more, she, more people should be more, more direct like that. So guys, show me some fucking love. <laughs> so let's talk about the goddies. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Dinner Party Animals, which is season one, episode six of Growing Up Goddies. Growing Up Gotti. It was released uh, September 13th of 2004. And there's going to be a party. And my first question is, how many fucking parties are we going to throw, Victoria? What you doing? Like, didn't you just throw a party last week? <sighs> so we start with them eating a big meal. And they make sure to give us a shot of her carrying some sort of pasta and red sauce. Um, 
I'm not Italian, so I don't know if that pasta looked like trash, but it looked like trash to me because I like my sauce to cling to the pasta. I don't like anything that looks watery in any way. So I would have been like, no, girl, not at all. I don't want this. And then also they're eating like steak and salad and shit and corn. So that pasta is a side dish, which is that a thing? I thought it was a thing black people did a lot. If you go someplace for like a fish plate, which is something you would get at like a, a church picnic and one of those greasy uh, uh, takeout spots, which always have the best fucking food. If it looks like the, apart- the Department of Health should have shut it down like three years ago, that shit is banging up in there. <laughs> if the cook has one eye and no gloves, you're going to get a hell of a plate. <laughs> And my husband's always dragging me to places like that. I remember once we were driving in the middle of the road in Austin, in East Austin, and we were in, like, a not great neighborhood, and we drove by this, like, half-burnt-out, <laughs> the just grease sticking to the outside of the fucking building, and it said, fish platters for, like, $7. And my husband screeched to the hall and did a U-turn. And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, you see that building? <laughs> I can tell from the outside, it's got the best fucking fish platter in the world. And he was right. He loved his fish from there. I didn't eat from there because, you know, I don't even eat potlucks. But I will agree that it smelled delicious. So, but anyway, um, like, to it's spaghetti's a side dish a lot of time in the black community where you get a fish plate with a side of spaghetti. And the spaghetti won't have meat in it, or maybe it will, depends. But, um... It, it's not surprising if it doesn't have meat in it is what I'm trying to say. It's just pasta and and spaghetti sauce. <laughs> so to see Victoria eating like that, I don't know if that's normal for big Italian families to do, to have your big meal with that, or if it's like, or if Victoria is a, a front. I, I don't know. But I did definitely noticed it. Um, Victoria says that her father would say she does, he always did his best business over a plate of cavatelli, which I don't know what it is, but I do know that John Gotti was a murderer. <laughs> so, like, for them to keep being like, my father said he does his best business. What? Your father sold drugs, <laughs> racketeered, and killed people. That's what your That was his business. What are you talking about? And then it keeps showing that picture that she has framed of him on, like, a table in her entryway. Did production put that picture there? Because the reason I ask is because it looks like he's in a courtroom on the... Maybe he's at a table, but it looks like he's at a courtroom. It looks like... That looks like a courtroom shot of John Gotti. Why would Victoria Gotti have a courtroom shot of her father? It's weird. Um, I recently, like... So I like to listen to true crime podcasts, probably not the big ones. Because I don't like anything that everybody all that everyone already likes a lot of. It's just really hard for me. It's why I've never seen the movie Titanic. <laughs> you guys are too excited about it. <laughs> and I felt, I just, it's why I still haven't seen a Star Wars movie before because I just never saw one. But then you guys were just too excited. <laughs> and I was like, I can't deal with this pressure. I can't watch this movie and hate it. So guess what? I'm just not going to watch it. Even though I know everything that happens. I know Titanic is about a murderer. <laughs> it's about a woman. Murdering a man on a on a door, but um, <laughs> but I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Um, I'm actually thinking a lot about that because someone brought this up that the true crime stuff we listen to is often like 
police propaganda, like Law and Order, and and you know even Olivia Benson. Like this is like propaganda that um, the police are always right, that they were all like things that aren't necessarily true, and. I was like, well, damn, because my mom's a big fan of a big fan of true crime. Actually, that's another thing me and Liz have in common. Both our mothers' names are Yvonne. Both our mothers always the one thing they would say while we were uh, kids is, "I have to go to work. I work." And <laughs> my my mom would never fucking let me forget she had a job in her life. I'd be like, well, so Erica's mom wants to see if um we could do so and so. Does Erica's mom have a job? Because I have a job. I have to go to work every day. If I don't go to work, they won't. And you know what? <laughs> As I'm doing this impression, I'm also doing an impression of myself because I love to say that to my kids. Listen, your mom works, okay? If I don't work, we don't eat, okay? Now, so-and-so's mama, she gets to stay home all day and they get to play games and she bakes cookies and shit, but I'm over here working. <laughs> Sometimes I'm downing stay-at-home moms, but just I got that from my mom. Just be like, I'm working. Um, the other thing our moms have in common is that they um, they uh, love true crime, and I grew up watching true crime, listen, uh, like reading true crime magazines and stuff. I love a fucking mystery. I'm a big Sherlock head. I like I love mysteries, and so and mysteries are often in modern day times, at least, connected with. Um, crime procedurals and stuff and police stuff. And someone was saying we really have to give up these things because they give us a false sense of police role in our communities because that's not how it is in most of our communities. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to give that up. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because it's such a core part of my personality and like who I am. But maybe I can watch with a better informed eye and remind myself that you know, I absolutely love these characters, but that's but these characters aren't necessarily the ones in real life. A lot of times, like when I was one time, so we moved from a very very small base to uh, Norfolk, Virginia, where where my family is from. And when we moved there, it was just like a smaller. It was like a a bigger school. I was the only black kid in my class where I used. I mean, in my school where I used to go to school at. Like, and, and here it was just a very urban environment and I wasn't a very urban kid. I just wasn't. And I've always been a little oddball and like being new, being an oddball and also speaking the way I speak and nobody wanted to accept me. And, um, I just was having a super hard time. I was being bullied there. Um, the, the grading system was like in like a letter grading system that was not ABC it was like, Oh S N S. It was a weird grading system, but they never give out O's. They never give out the outstandings. And I was just ahead of the class in a lot of ways. So when I got there, they, I took some, I, the first time I got a report card, I had all O's on it. And then they announced it to the, to my grade. And that, so they already did, they already won't, they weren't fucking seeing it for me. And they really weren't fucking seeing me for me there. So I was just getting, oh, and I was in a French class and I was like ahead of them and, uh, and just like, I've always been the type of person that you either like or you do not like. There's just no in between. You don't just kind I don't grow on you. You either, you either like this or you are just like, yeah, get that out of my face. And so... <laughs> 
And so, like, a lot of them were like, ugh, get that out of my face. And so I was in this fucking French class, and the teacher is, like, calling on me and making me conjugate all these verbs, which is fine. But, like, they were verbs the other kids hadn't heard of, and she was just, like, so excited that I was there and that I was doing this. And, and maybe it was exciting for her, but it was, like, not great for me because people thought I was showing off. And, um, like... I just had a rough day. Somebody threw something at It was just a rough fucking day. And so when I walked home, I decided to go to the library instead of straight home. And I like, just didn't want to deal with anybody. I didn't want to walk my little brother. I didn't want to do any. I just was like, I just want to go to the library. I want to get some books. I want to read in a nook somewhere and then like kind of recenter and then I'll go home. But this is the day before cell phones and shit. And so I just walked to the library and it was on the way home. And my mom couldn't find me. My brother had said he hadn't seen me. A friend of my cousin had been like, I saw her. She was in the office. Someone had beat her up. And I was not in the office because someone beat me up. I was in the office because the teacher made me go there because someone threw something at me. And they were like, "She needs to. we need to make sure she's okay or whatever. Even though I told him I was. And so that, and then the story just got bigger and bigger and no one could find me. My mom had gone to the library, but I was not. My mom didn't go in the library that much, like in like up in the nooks and crannies. So she didn't see me in the back, like kind of like held up in a in a smaller area. She and she'd asked the librarian if she'd seen me, and the librarian was like, "No, I haven't seen her." But you know, she just hadn't seen me come in. And so when I got home, my mom was like in hysterics. Everyone was like, "You, we've been looking for you. We didn't know what happened to you." Blah blah blah. Uh, your cousin. my cousin Mikey has a friend named Mikey. <laughs> so they used to call him Mikey's Mikey. Mikey's Mikey said he saw you in the office while he was in detention and you had been beat up at school and stuff. And like, I hadn't really talked to my mom about the bullying stuff because uh, my mom's not a soft person and she, her response would not have been like, oh, well, let's go talk to somebody. She would have like gone up there and she would have blown that bitch up. And then she would have been like angry at me too. And been like, well, you need to do this and this and this and you like she I just didn't want I didn't I didn't think it was big enough for those type of fucking problems and so um she had called the police and everything and the police had come out and because I was a child and I was missing and the police had come out and everything and like they just came to the door my mom explained what happened and stuff and those things they were like oh okay well she just ran away <laughs> She was like, what? And she's like, she just ran away, probably. And she's like, my daughter would not run away. And she's like, no, uh, she's black. She's 12, 13 years old. She ran away. Uh, we'll write this down. See you around. <laughs> and like, that's not unusual. It's not unusual for these cases not to be investigated. It's not unusual for like, like, the fact is, if, if I, if something, if I had been sexually assaulted, Benson probably wouldn't take, wouldn't be looking at my case. Because it's not the type of people that I don't, we don't get the same type of consideration. So like, yeah, I need to remember that, that these true crime stuff I'm watching, these procedurals, I love Elementary. It is my favorite TV show in the world. It is my favorite fucking TV. I can't tell you why. I do not know why. But that shit soothes me like nothing fucking else. But like, I need to remember that like, they wouldn't be taking my cases because I'm not that important. Like, it in the grand scheme of this system. And also even Brooklyn nine, uh, nine one one or whatever it is, is police propaganda. So 
I'm not saying that I'm going to stop watching those shows, but I do need to, or stop listening to true crime podcasts or anything like that. But I do need to remember that like these things that I consume where they cast police as always as heroes, uh, people who break the law always as villains and like that. I, I really need to like pay more attention to what I'm being sold. I don't, how am I talking about this? I'm off topic. Oh, I'm talking about podcasts. I listen to Kingpins, which I really like. It tells the story of like some criminal kingpin every week. And was it Kingpins? It's something, it's a podcast, uh, podcast because they're very like scripted and they, the way they talk in those things are like, like a radio show like um a radio sh- an old radio show where you listen where they'd be like uh uh acting out parts and shit they don't always act out parts so don't get me wrong i'd be annoyed but you understand what i'm trying to say like they are reading off a script they this is a highly this is not this type of podcast where i'm just talking off my fucking head and, and getting lost this is like a very produced podcast but anyway they were talking about some guy named john i forget his last name but he was an enforcer for the Gambino crime family, which is the one that John Gotti took over after murdering, I forget his name, um, the boss. And he was an associate of John Jr. And he sold drugs with John Jr. and killed people with John Jr. And they just talk about his rise and fall and um, a lot about, they mentioned Victoria in it because at one point, like, so the hitman was Albanian and therefore he can never be a made man. He can only be like an associate or like a, a soldier or something like that. And no, it was not Dreeter's Lee. <laughs> I would never be talking about Lee. I never be talking about Aliyah's dad. If you don't know who I'm talking about, then you have not watched enough Mob wives, you have not seen the scene where Drita's at her counter just wiping that counter over and over again like she always does on the phone talking about, listen, you're not going to be talking about Aaliyah's dad because you're going to be talking about Aaliyah's dad, you won't have problems. Like, I would never talk about Aaliyah's dad. <laughs> but um, he talks about how Carmine, God forgive me for pronouncing these people's names incorrectly, Agnello, I believe, is... Um, Victoria's ex-husband, Carmine Agnello, and how he was also high-ranking in the Gambino crime family because of um, because of his father-in-law and his brother-in-law's uh, involvement. And he would beat Victoria. And the first time he beat Victoria, um, John Gotti had ordered a beating on him. And at some point, John Jr. is like, you need to handle this because he's beating Victoria again. And Victoria, he talks, to, uh, the, the hitman talks to John, to Victoria and is like, and she's like, please don't talk to my father about this because he will kill him. And that's the mother, that's the father of my son. That's my husband, blah, blah, blah. And so he goes over to talk to him and Carmine is basically like, mind your fucking business, mind your fucking business. And they end up fighting and like, just, it's a very good podcast episode where they talk where they talk about this guy's life in crime and they talk about his rise in, in the Gambino crime family, his relationship with John Jr., everything he said about John Jr. being like a flake, a coward, a cheat, a liar, all these different things. Um, 
is true from what I understand of the situation is that he was, John Jr. was absolutely the recipient of nepotism and he only got what he got because of his father and he was terrible at it. And he was also like a bully and he was also like, like someone who, who would rat you out, who would do all these kinds. Of, so anyway, it was very good. And when they mentioned Victoria got it, I went, oh, I have a podcast about Victoria Gotti. <laughs> um, I think that also remember that the Gotti boys last name is not Gotti, it's Agnello. And also remember that when she's talking about her ex and she's arguing about go-karts and things and golf carts and things like that, and whether daddy'll get you this and there there remember daddy used to also whoop her ass and there's a lot of things done to her in her marriage that it's not just about golf course call golf carts that she's mad about, you know. I'm off topic. Uh, so she's gonna have a party. She's in the party's for her boss, who looks very uncomfortable. She's like, "Would you? Could you guys come over Thursday?" And he's like, "What's the occasion?" And she's like, "It's you. You're the occasion." And he looks like he wants to be like, "Girl, I'm busy. I am not coming over to that old broke down house of yours, where every if I'm wearing white, I gotta watch where I sit because everything in here is fucking dirty." Like, everything's got a sheen of sweat and gel on it. I don't, I'm not coming over there. That's what he looks like he wants to say. He's on camera. Um, she's making beef wellington, which is like a piece of beef wrapped in like a puff pastry. And I only know that. And I think there's something to do with vegetables. I only know that because I looked it up one time because I just was like, we keep saying things like beef wellington and a baked Alaska and shit like that. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And so I started looking up like exactly what they were. I looked up baked Alaska. I can't remember what it is now. But I remember being like, oh, that's why they set it on fire. That's why. <laughs> but like she's making beef wellington, which is, okay. I can't imagine... I'm always hungry. I can't imagine someone inviting me to their house to eat beef wellington. <laughs> okay. And so she's got a crack team of assistants to help her. She's got Jen from Jersey, who's usually late, she says, which, you know why she's late? Because she's coming from fucking Jersey. That's why she's late. Even if it's right there, it's a long way. <laughs> fucking Jersey to, to uh, fucking Long Island. She's got Jeff the driver who they show falling out of a chair. I'm going to say something about Jeff right now. And I said this before in the in the Loons Over Miami episode. Something's going on with Jeff. And it is either that he sniffs glue, okay, or that he has an intellectual disability. Either way, I think he has been taken advantage of being on this show. He looks like a fucking idiot on this show. And they keep asking him to do shit he don't have no business doing. And I'm just over, he looks sloppy. He looks like he doesn't know where he is. His eyes are sometimes rolling in the back of his head. I don't know what's going on with Jeff. And I hope you understand what I mean. Like, I've never seen that movie, I Am Sam. I've never seen radio. I can't watch shit like that because I feel like it puts um, people with intellectual disabilities in this situation of being like these magical, like, uh, souls that are here to teach the rest of us lessons. No, they're fucking people. And I can't watch the parts where people are making fun of them or like treating them badly. Like, I can't do that. I, I'm very sensitive to the idea of people being laughed at and they have no idea they're being laughed at. Um, 
And people who, like, hang out with me in real life know this. Like, I will tense up. I will get up. I will go over there. I remember when we went to see Les Mis in the theater when it was in, like, theaters. It was the movie. At the beginning of the movie, a woman comes out. I don't know why. I don't know if she works at the... I think she works at the movie theater because she's dressed like someone in the movie theater. And she sings. And she has an intellectual disability. And you can tell... um, she, um, I believe she had downs. You could tell by, you know, there are facial markers of downs. And I could tell it's supposed to be a part of like a fun thing they let her do because she likes to sing there and she works there. And the people in the audience are laughing at her, not with her, at her. And I start to tense up and I have, there's a friend in the uh, audience with me who knows me, who's known me for a very long time. And she like puts her hand on my arm and looks at me as if to say, please don't get up because I, I want it to get up. Like that stuff really fucking bothers me. We also, me and that friend, the reason she knows is because we used to work at a place where they would get a tax um, rebate for hiring um, people, like you get a tax rebate for hiring people with, with certain disabilities, with, uh, criminal background, felons and, and, uh, veterans. And so they would hire these guys from like a group home and some of them were really nice. Some of them were really mean. And one of them, his name was Billy. He was super, super nice. And what he liked to do on karaoke night is in the bar areas, he liked to, he didn't like to sing. What he wanted to do is put on his song and just hold the microphone and dance, which was fine. I mean, it's towards the end of the night and we're like, yeah, yeah, let Billy do his thing. But the problem is, is that if there were still people there, they would be making fun of him. They weren't laughing because it's Billy and he's doing his thing and he looks so happy and, you know, he's our friend and um, he's been bussing tables all night. Let him, let him dance for a little bit. They were laughing like, look at that asshole up there. Ha ha ha. And it really fucking bothered me. And I talked to Billy about it. And he kind of understood what I was trying to say, but he also didn't. And I talked to the karaoke person and a couple of other of us were just like, we can't, like, basically we had to come up with a new thing that Billy can't do this while people are here. Like while customers are here, because you can't, I'm, I'm not going to let them sit here and make fun of him. And he doesn't even realize he's being made fun of. It's one of the reasons why that, remember William Hung? When that's what, I can't watch American Idol because what they do for the first, I guess it's the first couple of weeks while they're in different cities, is they purposely put on people who are either mentally ill, intellectually disabled. They take advantage of them, have them come on there, have them do, have them perform for, I'm using bunny quotes for them. So that we can laugh, so the judges and, and, and the rest of the, and the audience can laugh at them. And I cannot deal with that. I really can't. Watching this show, I hope we don't get many more episodes with Jeff on it. Watching this show really pissed me off because I was like, and again, I don't even know. I don't know. Like I said, he could, it could be that or he could be sniffing glue. He could be high off something. He could be, it just seems to me like he's being taken advantage of for the show. The other person so she, she's got 12 hours, she says, for this dinner party. And no the fuck she doesn't. She doesn't have 12 hours for this dinner party. Because if she did, like, 
you actually have the amount of time from the time you told him you were going to have a dinner party. Like, you've been thinking about it since you knew you were going to have a dinner party. And it doesn't take 12 hours to cook anything. And if it does take 12 hours to cook something, don't make that. Like, I guess I'm not a fancy pants, but if you were coming to my house, I'd make, like, baked ziti or something. I'd make something with, like, lots of, like, good garlic bread with a ton of fucking butter on it. And make sure you have something to drink. And just have you over to eat something warm and and inviting and just, like, talk to you. I, I, I wouldn't be, like, trying to impress you with fucking food. But I'm not a fancy person. And if you come to my house, you're not coming to a fancy place, I guess. I mean, you're not going to a fancy place at Victoria's house, but she don't know that. Uh, don't mind me flipping pages here. I've started writing my notes handwritten because it's easier that way. And I feel like I'm getting a lot more done here, but you can also hear it. So she's also got Luigi. Remember Luigi? <laughs> it's me, Mario. He just got off of King Koopa's boat. I hate Luigi. <laughs> I'm I if I were not a thousand percent sure this man was an Italian man, I'd be offended by this accent. The way he talks, I will be it is such a stereotypical Italian accent. Mamma mia! That's what he sounds like. That's please God tell me she knows Luigi and they did not cast him for this fucking <laughs> Um so Luigi's supposed to come over and put up a basketball hoop for Frankie. Did he even fix the pool and shit? <laughs> Luigi is the worst. And then, so Frankie's wearing, I thought he was wearing like jeans with the painted flowers on them, but he's wearing like board shorts. He's wearing like Bermuda shorts of some. He's wearing, he's wearing what they call man culottes. And those are those shorts that go all the way down. They damn near hit your ankle. They go past your knee and everything. <laughs> And Frankie's like mad and he's like, you know, you're supposed to come yesterday and <laughs> Luigi's just like life changes or whatever. <laughs> what he probably really wants to say is your mom doesn't pay me. They, they just got me on this fucking show. Um, but it's a basketball hoop that he wants Luigi to put up. And I mean, I feel like he could have I feel like he could have done it himself <laughs> like, like I feel like Frank's old enough and large enough that he could have put this up himself or whatever so they get down there and they they start putting it together John shows up from out of nowhere John's got on his double yellow gold necklaces and the poop oh that go with his puka shell necklace and he's got a trucker hat like slightly askew on his head John is firmly in 2004. <laughs> so they do, they fumble with that for a while. And at this point, Jeff shows up at the house confused about what he's supposed to do. Because Victoria took him to the store, like, to pick up uh, stuff for the party. And, and then she had to go to work. And so she, he, she asked him to pick up the things. And she asked, also asked him to get some plates. Okay? Great. Um... He doesn't remember any of that. And he goes to talk to Jen about it. And Jen's just like, 
What do you mean? Because Jen's got her whole list of things she's supposed to do. Jen looks like she, this job is like giving her an ulcer. And so she ends up calling Victoria. and She's been talking to Victoria all day. Victoria's in the middle of a staff meeting and her phone keeps going off and they seem annoyed with her. And I'd be annoyed too. Why is your phone not on silent? Why is your phone even in here? Like when I have to go into a meeting where I know I can't answer the phone and I can't leave, I just leave my fucking phone in the office or in my bag or I turn it off or whatever. Like why do I need my phone in here? So Victoria comes out and she's fussing and, and Jen's like, uh, Jeff doesn't know what, what you want. And Victoria keeps saying he knows exactly what he needs to do. He knows. And I'm like, he don't know. Like, do you think he's coming over here for fun? He just tried to give a piece of paper to Jen to get her to go do this shit. So I just... It's another thing. Like, I think Victoria's a bad boss. <laughs> I think, one, she hires people for the wrong reason. Like, Luigi should never be in the house. I'll get to it when he's opening, when he's unlocking Frankie's door with a sledgehammer. <laughs> but I think that when she even, she, she does have competent people. She doesn't give them the information the way they need to be given. It's almost like. Like that foster kid I was just talking about, it just was like, I need some love. Like, be very clear about what it is you're asking for. I need you to do this. I need this by this time. Don't just be like, well, you know, we need the cards. And then two hours later, be like, you didn't do the cards. Well, you didn't tell her these place cards need to be done, and I need them done this way. I need it done by 2 p.m. That's not what you fucking said. And then the other thing is with Jeff. Regardless of what the deal is with Jeff, whether... He's just not a bright person, whether he has an intellectual disability, whether he's high off a of glue. I'm not sure. But I do know I could never give Jeff a multi-step thing to do. Jeff is the driver, and I think Jeff's job as the driver is fine. I think Jeff driving people is just fine. I don't think I'd be sending Jeff to pick up plates for my dinner party. Why would I let Jeff pick out my plates? Who knows the fuck he gonna pick out? And so, and then when Jeff's telling you he doesn't remember the instructions you gave him, you can't just keep going, I told you everything. You know everything. He's saying he doesn't. So are you going to sit here and try to argue him into knowing everything, or are you going to give him the information he needs? I just, she's like a bad boss. And it's also not Jen's fault that you're in a meeting with your phone. That's not her fault. She's supposed to contact you. If if something else happened and Jen was like, well, I didn't call you because I thought maybe you'd be in a meeting, you'd be like, that's not your, for you to decide. It's not. If you can't take calls, don't have your fucking phone. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so fucking mad. <laughs> but Jen's over it. She's just like, let's get in the car. Jeff, come on. <laughs> she's got She's got the plates and I guess you're going to try to match certain plates, which is weird. Um, and I also didn't realize how big this party was. When I think of a dinner party, I think six, eight, maybe 10 people. I don't not, I, 10, like 10 people was a big dinner party to me. I cannot imagine, they, they had 20, 25 people at this thing. That's not a dinner party. And so maybe I misunderstood the importance of these plates because I was just like, <laughs> just use the plates you got. Like, why would you get new plates and and victoria says she has nice china which i could imagine like think about her wedding and stuff think about all the fancy shit and she got i bet she 
absolutely register for really nice stuff. I bet she has really nice stuff like that. And that feels like part of the thing you do when you get married and you get married in, in the time she did and with the things that she was doing. And so I really downplay the place. I was like, what do they need these plates for? And so they grabbed the plates. The the editors put in a plate-breaking sound as if Jeff broke a plate, but I don't think he did. I think they were just like, well, let's make him look more like a doofus. So they get in the car, they're riding around, they go into the place that Victoria told them to go to. Uh, Jen's calling on the phone. Uh, maybe the first place doesn't have it or whatever, but then Jen's calling on the phone, and then Jeff goes in there and is like, they, bad news, they went out of business two years ago. And she's like, I just spoke to them on the phone. And he's like, I don't know. Like, maybe you fucking called two years ago. I don't know, but they're not in there. And at this point, Victoria's calling. She's pissed. And she's mad at Jen. And I'm like, why are you mad at Jen? You threw this in her Jen's lap and she's trying to fix it. So they end up going back. Oh, by the way, Jen's wearing a Bluetooth headset the entire time, which reminds me of the last bonus episode I did in my Johnny K Plus 8 series. It's a divorce episode. And um, I had a lot to talk about with it. I mean, I kind of always have a lot to talk about. And <laughs> John is wearing a Bluetooth headset. And I was like, mm, there's a douchery. It's coming. The douchery is coming right now. <laughs> but for some reason, I didn't feel that way when I saw Jen with it. She just looked old to me. So at this point, V's back home. She's really like Jeff having brought all the groceries in like he was supposed to. And she's really mad at him. And, and that's what she's calling him to talk to him about um and I'm like is that even his fault I feel like she went in there she picked out groceries and he's the one who brought them home and if your all of your asparagus wasn't there it's not like you said go get the take the groceries home and make sure you count all the asparagus you didn't you said take these boxes and bags home and that's what he did like it's not his fault that the fucking asparagus is in there I would have made a call and been like, uh, Jeff, look in the back of your, you need to look in the back of your car and see if some of the boxes are, or the bags didn't get all the way in here because I ordered three, four pounds of asparagus and all I have is a little bit. That's something I could have said. But like, how could you leave it? I, he didn't leave it. <laughs> if it's not in there, he didn't, it's not like, <sighs> again, she's a bad boss. Also, he mentions Carmen. <laughs> Jeff tried to throw Carmen on the bus. Carmen, who was a brown woman that set the dishes or whatever. So I'm assuming she's a housekeeper. He's like, maybe she threw it away. <laughs> and Carmen's like, obviously this was edited this way. But Carmen's like looking back at the camera like, bitch, I didn't throw it away. <laughs> I do my job. <laughs> what would I look like? Throwing away fucking food. Just throwing away food. Get out of here. Um, but it's important to note that She's not doing this by herself. She's got Carmen there, who's obviously the housekeeper. She's got... There's another brown girl near her. Um, for some reason, I want to say she's Filipino because I grew up around a lot of Filipinos. And she seemed Filipino to me. But um, she... I was like, I've seen her a lot. Is she like another assistant? Or why is she always here? I don't know. She didn't get Chiron, I don't think, either, to tell me who she was. But the fact that she has help, and the and also Victoria, she kept emphasizing that she was cooking when she was asking people to come. Victoria, if you were cooking, you can't have 25 people, or you can, but then you need to be at home cooking all day. So if you're going to have 25 people, you're going to have it catered, which 
Did was it catered? I mean, I saw her with a beef Wellington, but was it fucking catered? I don't know. Um, I just like you don't have twenty five fucking thirty people at your house for a sit down dinner, and then it's just you. And pretending like it is just you is ridiculous. Ugh. Maybe that girl's a par- party planner. Maybe that. Anyway. So while all this is going down, Frank locks himself, locks himself out of his room. Guys, why does Frank have a key lock on his room? Are they having some issue where the brothers are going to each other's room and stealing jail? Is this is this another jail thing that we need to know about? Why does he have a key lock on his room? I feel like before I give a teenager a key lock to their room, meaning they can lock it and leave the house, I would address the reason why they need one. And they need one because the other teenagers in the house are always going in there and taking stuff. I need to address that with them. Like, I feel like we can figure it out without going this far. And also, because he's locked himself out and Victoria doesn't go, oh, let me go get the key, it makes me think she doesn't have a key to it. Why don't you have a key to it? I'm a big, this may surprise you because I'm, because I can be very hippy dippy in a lot of ways, but I'm a big proponent that you don't own anything in this house, I own it. (laughs) I go to work, I'm the person that, when you're looking for your, when you need $5, who you come to? Me. Okay, so then I own it. And so, I can come in here anytime I want to. (laughs) Anytime I want to. I can take anything out of here I want to because it all belongs to me. And maybe that's like an old school way of thinking, but that's how I think. And when my kids are going to school, they don't go to school anymore, but I often just Go in their rooms and see what's up in there. Open a couple of drawers. Uh, maybe once a month we go, I we deep clean their rooms together. I mean, they clean their rooms regularly, but I'll just go in there and help them figure out new ways to organize stuff. Like my oldest son is a bit of a hoarder with paper and stuff like that. And he loves to draw and make things. And I'll be like, okay, well, if you want to keep all this paper, then that means that you do have to find a nice way to put it. Like it can't just be sitting in a stack and a pile in the corner here. So how are we going to do this? And so like we do things like that together. And a lot of times I just go in their room and play with them. And we read books in there a lot. But, and obviously we won't be having that same relationship when we're teenagers, but I still will be able to come in your room anytime I want to. Why do you need a key lock? And if you need a key lock for some reason, why don't I have a key so I can just go in there whenever I want? And if I find something in their rooms that doesn't belong, that doesn't belong there, like either I know it doesn't belong to them, they took it from somebody else, or they have no business with it. And depending on what the item is, I either take it and never say anything about it, and you can't have the you won't have the balls to ask me about it either because you're not supposed to have it, or or I will take it and I'll put it someplace in plain sight. Like I will remove it from your sock drawer and put it on top of your dresser, just to be like. I see this, handle this. Um, and if they feel like they want to come talk to me about it, they can't. But I, but that's what I do. And I will continue to do that throughout teenage years. I will often, like when I had my fosters here that stole a lot and that, I mean, they were more on the level of teenagers. I tossed the room all the time. I didn't get a chance to towards the end because we just went into coronavirus. But um, when I was packing them up to leave and it was just really hard for me. And I've talked about that on my bonus episode. It's a Princess Diaries episode. And it happened second week of May or whatever because I got this new placement on the 20th of, of April. Excuse me, the second week of April because I got the new placement maybe three, four days later on the 20th of April. Um, but I talked about how because they weren't going to school and stuff, I didn't have a chance to do the thing where I just do my rounds and just make sure everything's where it's supposed to be. And I just found all this stolen stuff in his room. Things he stole from like me, like my socks, just random shit, just steal 
toy expensive toys that had gone missing from the other kids things where he'd he'd uh been cheeking his medicine um hiding that like just stuff like that and if coronavirus hadn't hit i would have more opportunity where i would just probably once a week i'd go through it and just make sure so i can't <sighs> frank ain't living in my house with no door lock <laughs> without me having a key Mm-mm. so anyway she goes go get luigi luigi comes up in there runs up in there to on to to get in there and starts fucking up that door and that door jam. He's got a screwdriver. He's hollering for a hammer. And Frank's like, for what? <laughs> the way he talking to his family, just scream, for what? <laughs> also, I mean, I know Luigi's not his mother, but also, like, sometimes when I'm fixing stuff, I just tell the kids I need this tool. They will never say for what. <laughs> they would just go get it. <laughs> for what? What are you doing over there? Let me make sure that, that I want you to have this tool first. Get out get the fuck out of here. Um, but he's like fucking up this door jam. Like, oh my God. The the Knicks, the... At first it was just a lot of Knicks. I was like, he is going at this door hard. They're going to have to replace that door and that door jam. I mean, obviously they live in like filth, but... Like... It looks like a wild animal went in. Then he starts really, he's breaking off pieces of the door jam. They're, they're taking a video from below so you can see him working on it. And you can see her dirty ass ceiling and her like her, God, the, the air filter, like one of those filter things. And it's just like filthy. I'm like, oh my God, this house is so nasty. And um, <sighs> at one point, Carmine shows up. Carmine shows up. <laughs> I could not stop laughing as they flashed to Car Carmine. Because Carmine looks like he just crawled out of a fucking K-hole. And he's like, is, is this real? Is this, he just got this look. His eyes are like little pins. And he's just like, what? And I was like, same Carmine. What the fuck is he doing to that door? He is fucking it up. You can just, I just had my uh, three-year-old lock himself in the bathroom. And it has like those little... Um, the little hole that you can use to open the door, but we didn't have a small enough um, screwdriver, so I had to like drive to the store to get one while he was still locked in there. <laughs> but um, I know this is a key lock. He could have just taken up the doorknob. <laughs> he fucked that shit up, man. And Carmine, with his little pinpoint eyes, was like, huh? <laughs> I watched it like three times. <sighs> too much. Um, <laughs> so by this time, um, Jen and Jeff get back to Vicky. They, she show back up. Vicky is pissed, pissed. <laughs> she's really mad, but she's mostly mad at Jen. And I'm like, why are you mad at Jen? She's trying to fix this. She's trying to do this. And, and, and you just got an attitude, and I get that you're frustrated, and everyone's, like, people are down the block on the way there, and she's not dressed, she's still in her filthy white clothes, and I get that, but nobody told you to do this. Nobody told you to, to, you leave everything to the last minute. Frank, Frankie told us last week that you, that's all you fucking do. So get the fuck out of here. Um... <laughs> Frankie and that humanized guinea pig are outside uh, scamming car keys, talking about they're going to be valets. Um, 
and he drives Bill Stanton, who I guess is a private eye. That that's how they that's how they uh, introduced him. He might be somebody that whose name I should know, but that's how they introduced him. He drives his eighty thousand dollars sports car backwards down down a windy path at not a slow pace, and the guys are running after him. Frank's fourteen. <laughs> You know, I used to be an insurance agent, and I'm going to tell you that depending on your agency, if your 14-year-old is driving your car and you let them and they get into an an accident, they a lot of times they don't, don't want to pay. I just want you to know that. If you have knowledge that your 14-year-old has your car, a 14-year-old, not even yours, has your car, and is driving the car like you got out of the car and let them get in with the keys in it, a lot of times it is not covered. So it would be in your best interest to tell a lie and say it was you because <laughs> they're going to be like, why would you give a 14-year-old your keys? Um, so the guests included are Lizzie Grubman, who is a infamous New York publicist um, who famous, famously ran down a bunch of people outside of a club. I think it was in the Hamptons. Her boss is there. Um, her boss's boss is there. Not I'm talking about Victoria, not Lizzie. Um, there's a comedian there. The private eye, which we just talked about. And Luigi in a tux. No one else is in a tux, by the way. No one else is dressed this formally. Um, she tells him he's going to introduce him as a count and, like, you know, from Rome. You know, Victoria likes uh, practical jokes, and I don't really care that much about this one. What I do want to point out is that while he's talking to her, she's like, listen, I'm going to introduce you as the count. He starts to say something. She goes, shut up. (laughs) Shut up. So you're a count, and your wife is dead. (laughs) And I can't, dude, I, I should incorporate that into my everyday life. I should just be talking. And if anyone even tries to like contribute to the conversation that I'm having with them, I just go, shut up. <laughs> so listen, we're going to have, um, we're going to have macaroni and cheese for dinner. And so I like macaroni and cheese. Shut up. So like I said, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> so as we get to the party, it's several tables. And like I said, her boss is the same thing. I said, I thought it was going to be like six to eight people, not this many people. There are tables. That's how, that's, it's not a dinner party if there are tables. I feel, I feel like a dinner party is at one table. During the party, Frankie steals Bill Stanton's car and drives it down the street. I don't know how. How did he get the keys? Are there really valets there? And Frankie went to the valet and got the keys. Did Bill give him the keys? Bill realizes that Frankie has stolen his car and like runs out screaming I think he's got my car I think he's got my car I don't know how he realized he got the car did they did he did did Frankie drive past because they're eating outside did Frankie drive past the area they were eating like that was confusing to me but then so Bill's on the street Victoria's out there when Frankie drives the car back Bill's standing out in the street like holding his hands up like bring me back my car Frankie drives all the way to Bill and stops just short of hitting Bill. Not like he was out of control, but more like he wanted Bill to think he was out of control and then he stopped right there. 
Guys, Frankie needs an ass whooping. And I don't mean that in a way of like a spanking, like you need to spank kids because you guys know I don't believe in that. Um, even though I wish sometimes I did believe in it, but I do not. I don't think you should hit children. Frankie needs an ass whooping like a man-to-man ass whooping. He's big enough to take one because <laughs> he... This was incredibly inappropriate. This was... I cannot believe he did this. And he is driving this person's very expensive car on the road. I don't I can't even believe he had the balls to get behind this person and the f- person's will in the first place. Maybe this is a a family friend that that knows that knows the family very well and that's how he felt so comfortable. I would be livid. I'd be livid if it was my car, I'd be livid if it was my kid. And I feel like somebody needs he needs a beating. And I, when I when I say he needs a beating, he needs a beating mafia style. The way <laughs> The way someone will be like, he was disrespectful. Give him a beating. And, and like three guys will show up at your job and beat you. That's 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 the type of shit Frankie needs because he is just laughing and he doesn't think it's a big deal. He thinks Bill is overreacting. And like there's no consequences, obviously. There's nothing except for Victoria saying not tonight. So let's see. It's, everyone's leaving. As the boss leaves... He tells Victoria that he doesn't eat beef. Is this during the Mad Cow stuff? When Oprah was down in Texas on trial? Is this then? Did Oprah already announce that she will never eat a hamburger again? Mm. Um, but he doesn't eat beef. So he really enjoyed the broccoli broth. Another thing. So you're telling me you have a dinner party so you can impress your boss and you don't ask your boss about his dietary restrictions? What if every person you invited was a was a vegetarian? You need to ask. You need to ask these things. And she's really disappointed. And then we get Lu- Luigi acting up. He's doing shot for shot with Bill. Him and Bill are going at it. Uh, it's it's very playful. But uh, Luigi's starting to get drunk. And oh, we see Brian quack quack. I remember the name quack quack. Uh, bringing shots and flirting with Jen and whatever. And Brian. <laughs> and while this is happening, Luigi's still doing shot after shot after shot. And he overserves himself and ends up throwing up in the bathroom. Why is Luigi at this party? Like this whole thing made me think to myself, oh, Victoria is really, really broke. Really broke. Because if you, and I'm I, I'm not judging this because if I were trying to throw a, a dinner party to, to impress a boss, actually, I wouldn't throw a dinner party to impress a boss. I would just work really hard at work. Like, there's no need for a boss to be at my job, be at my home in any way, shape, or form. In any way, shape, or form. And so, but if I were going to, I want everything to go smoothly, so I would not let Jeff, the driver, who cannot be trusted with anything, for whatever the reason is, I would not let him do it. I would not have Brian quack quack there. I would not... I wouldn't be ambitious with things. I would hire people, and if I was going to be ambitious, I would hire people to do these things. Like, I would hire a catering company to bring plates. You know what I mean? Like, they would make the food, and I wouldn't have to worry about where my asparagus was. And 
they would make the food, they would serve the food on the plates that they brought themselves, then they would take the plates with them and wash them or whatever it is they fucking do. That's what I do. I would, and then I wouldn't have to rush home. I wouldn't have to run around picking up shit. Like, but it feels like, it feels like she's trying to do everything cheap. That's why she's having Luigi do stuff around the house when he clearly is incapable of doing those things. That's why I wonder, I want to know what Vicky said when she saw that fucking door looking like Wolverine opened it. Ugh. Anyway, she says that um, the next time she wants to impress her boss, she'll buy him a tie. And I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. I don't think you should have anybody at your house or this zoo that you call a home. I don't think you should do that anymore. <sighs> and that's it, guys. Uh, remember that if you're a Patreon member, you have two bonus episodes from this week. I did. I talked about the Real Housewives of Atlanta at one point. I did a John and Kate plus eight uh, uh, episode. I got two more to do, and then I'm out. Um, I this week I am going to be recording with Kara for her Patreon podcast. So for, uh, about Bethany getting married. Um, and hopefully if I get my shit together, me and Kara are going to record something about RuPaul's Drag Race. So become a Patreon member. There's a ton of stuff waiting for you there. And you can find that at Bipump... And, oof, no, you can't. You can find that at patreon.com backslash Pumpkin. You can follow me at OkayThenPrincess on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow the show at Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. That's it, guys. Thank you very much. I will speak to you soon.